Hello, I'm Pastor Keith Babb III, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of the Way Church of Tampa Bay. Our desire is that as a result of the word, that you no longer settle with simply coming to church, but you become the church. I pray that you enjoy this broadcast and that it challenges you, that it convicts you, and that it changes you. Thank you again, and let's enter into today's message. Hallelujah. I don't know about anybody else, but there's moments in worship that I just want to remain in. And if you can do me a favor without the clapping of hands, just with the fruit of your lips, begin to thank the Lord. Come on, even in this moment, begin to bless his name. I don't know what you need to give him thanks for, but in this moment, just with the fruit of your lips, we bless your name this morning. We bless your name this morning. We bless your name. We pray now, God, that our worship has been received by you. We pour out our praise this morning to you. Hallelujah. I want to say this. If you can take up your Bibles, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 43. I'll say this, that there are times in the life of a pastor where a pastor needs to be encouraged, where a pastor needs to be strengthened. And I'm not, I don't have no shame in my game, y'all. I added my own self to the prayer list. Amen. Because I know I needed strength this morning. And I want you to know from the words that have went forth this morning, even from Minister Rondell to Minister Dominique, to the worship, I've been strengthened this morning. But even the more I'm strengthened by your faces. Those that have chosen to worship this morning, whenever I can see your face, you strengthen me. I know many of you are watching online. Your pastor has been strengthened this morning by your presence. Genesis chapter 43. I want us to look at verses 29 through 31. Whenever you have it, let's stand to our feet in reverence of God's holy word. Genesis chapter 43. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you don't have your Bibles, it should be on the screen. The Bible says, then he lifted his eyes, somebody say Joseph, and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God, be gracious to you, my son. Verse 30 says, now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and restrained himself. And I don't know about many of y'all, have you ever had to wash your face and get yourself together after weeping and said, serve the bread. Verse 30 says, now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste into his chamber and wept there. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister from this subject, we weep there. Somebody say, we weep there. As a quick recap from last week, we learned that sorrow is promised. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how gifted you think you are. At some point in life, sorrow is promised. Somebody say promise. 
And then not, not only that, I said that sorrow is providential. That means that there's times in the life of a believer that God orchestrates things in our lives that will produce a level of sorrow. I know we may not like that, but there's some trials that you're going to endure. There's some tests that you're going to endure. And if you want to have a testimony, many times that testimony will produce levels of sorrow. So sorrow is providential. And not only that, I said that sorrow is personal. That means don't let nobody tell you how long you should weep, how you should weep, or where you should weep. It's personal. Somebody say personal. And, and I said this, one of the things about uh, a sorrow that is critical is that sorrow must be processed. And the reason why many people commit suicide, the many reasons why people fall into depression in times of sorrow is because they don't make space for sorrow to be processed. Uh, so I said this is um, my subject on last week is that we weep tonight, but I want to talk about why we weep there. There was a time for weeping. Yet this morning, I want to answer the question as to why we weep there. There, uh, uh, Sorrow from the vantage point of spectators many times elicits questions about why we weep. When people see us in times of sorrow, it elicits questions from spectators. When sorrow is evident in our lives, many want to know why and many times with well-meaning intentions, what's wrong? I don't know if by anybody else yet, they done seen you and they ask you what's wrong. They, they want to know what's happened and they even want to know at times who hurt you. And while the answers to these questions may re reveal the root of our hurt, hear this, it does not always lead to our healing. When people like to ask us questions about what happened, what's wrong, or who hurt you, it may reveal the root of our hurt, but many times it does not lead to our healing. I need y'all to stay with me. Somebody ask me why. Because the solution to sorrow is more rooted in where we weep rather than why we weep. It's critical because where we weep, watch this, moves us from the place of hurt to the place of healing. It's, it's one thing to stay in this realm of why I'm hurt, but why will never produce a level of healing. I've got to get to the place of where I must weep. That's my place of healing. Uh, even more, watch this. This means that just as much as where we weep can bring about healing, where we weep can also bring about more hurt. Did y'all hear what I just said? I said that this place where we weep should produce a level of healing. But even more, where you weep can also produce another level of hurt. And many of us have wept in the wrong places. Tell your neighbor, don't weep in the wrong place. Uh, don't weep in the wrong place because sorrow in the wrong place, watch this, will cause you stress. You can weep in some places that will cause you more stress. It can drain you of your strength. And hear this, we may not like this. If you weep in the wrong place, it can even cause you to get sick. Because it all, all it takes, watch this, is the wrong counsel. All it takes is the wrong culture. And all it takes is being around the wrong company. And the place where you weep can be a place of another level. Somebody say of hurt. It matters where you weep. And herein lies one of the saddest tragedies when people encounter seasons of sorrow. Many to include believers become more focused, watch this, on their expression of sorrow that they negate their environment for sorrow. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? When I'm in seasons of sorrow, I get so caught up in how I express that sorrow that I negate where I, I, I produce that sorrow. The environment. Somebody say the environment. Your, your, your environment matters. And therefore, never really walking in the fullness of their healing from sorrow. And David, I need y'all to understand this. I know we're going to talk about Joseph, but David understood the importance of where he went. And this is why throughout the Psalms, he would make reference of his environment in times of distress. He spoke of deliverance from the gates of death in Psalm chapter 9. He spoke of rescue from darkness in Psalm chapter 18. And even liberty from the mouths of those who spoke deceit in Psalm 43. And somebody may be saying, why is this significant? Because David knew that the Lord would give him rest if he could reside in the right place of sorrow. And I know it doesn't always feel good, but I can even find a level of rest if I can reside in the right place while I have sorrow. I need us to understand this, that not only did David take hold of this revelation, but in our foundational text, I believe Joseph does as well. And, And I need us to understand Joseph had much to weep over. If anybody knows the story of Joseph, he was rebuked uh, when he revealed that he would, uh, 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 that that his um, brothers would kneel down before him. His father, somebody say, rebuked him. And, And not only did his father rebuke him, but his brothers, watch this, his brothers resented him. Somebody say, resented him. Anybody know anything about Joseph? He was put into a pit. He was sold into slavery. And notice this, he was restrained by idol worshipers. Uh, so, so Joseph had much to weep over. He had a reason to weep. And even more, Joseph is a clear indication that even when the hand of God is on your life, you're not exempt from the hurt of sorrow. Did y'all hear what I just said? I've got to know that even though God's hand may be on my life, even though I may feel like I have a level of anointing, that I may be walking in the gifts and the spirit of God, that does not make me exempt. Tell your neighbor I'm not exempt. I'm, I'm, I'm not exempt. So so this morning, I, I think we need to do likewise so that we might get wisdom of where we must weep. Yet before we examine our text, it's important to note the beginning portion of verse 30. I'm going to jump into our text, but I need us to see something. Notice what it says in the first portion of verse number 30. It says, now his heart yearned for his brother. What am I trying to say? Your physical can mask sorrow for a period of time, but your soul can't. Many of us know how to dress up the physical so nobody knows that I'm hurting. So I can mask that I'm in a place of sorrow for a period of time, but tell your neighbor, my soul can't. Your your, your soul can't. Watch this. Uh, Here's a word of wisdom. One indicator of of unprocessed sorrow is an ugly soul. Uh, That means emotions that don't fit the environment. Somebody say an ugly soul. Y'all never seen somebody cry when it's a time that where it should be a time of celebration. Why are you crying while I just graduated? Uh, Jealous during a time of joy. Why are you jealous? And you know we prayed over this baby. Somebody say emotions that don't fit, fit the environment. And watch this angry in the midst of applause. An ugly soul is just a sign that unprocessed sorrow is seeking help. 
we don't like that. But when I see it, many times we get mad at folk that get jealous in times of joy, that cry when we should be celebrating, and watch this, that get angry at the sign of applause. But really what an ugly soul is, is a cry for help that I've, I've failed to unprocess my sorrow. Oh, an ugly soul. Somebody say an ugly soul. Emotions that don't match the environment is how it makes itself the center of attention. A cry for help. And this is why many folk will say hurt people hurt people. And the people with ugly souls, watch this, will hurt people. And this is why you need a place of sorrow. Because it's a place for your heart to heal. And it's more than my desires that our hearts be healed from sorrow. So let's examine our text. I just want us to look at verse number 30. We saw the beginning portion, but I want us to look at the next portion of verse number 30. Notice what the Bible says. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. If you don't make room for sorrow, sorrow won't make room for you. If I don't, if I'm not intentional about making room for sorrow, sorrow won't make room for me. What do I mean? You have to seek a place to grieve. Uh, You have to seek a place to cry out and you have to seek a place for your emotions. Watch this to be uninhibited. Why is this so significant? Because life, watch this, won't make allowances for your sorrow unless you do. I've got to seek and be intentional about making a place for my healing because life won't make allowances for you to find a place to weep. I know y'all know this. Uh, uh, Notice this Schedules will remain in place Schedules don't care about your sorrow Somebody say schedules don't care about my sorrow Agendas do move forward And plans will proceed Uh, I need us to understand Because plans proceed Ahead of your sorrow And you must make a place to process your sorrow Uh, So here's what I need us to understand I've got to seek A place of weeping must be sought if, I'm ta- if you're taking notes this morning, I need you to jot that down. A place of weeping must be sought. And this is why a place of weeping must be sought. Notice how Joseph responds to his sorrow in our text. The Bible says, so jo- Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. In other words, not only did Joseph um, make space for his sorrow with intentionality, but he also did it with urgency. Somebody say urgency. And herein lies one of the greatest problems when many people face times of sorrow. They may be intentional about their place of sorrow. They may make plans, but there is no urgency about their place of sorrow. And this is why sorrow will overwhelm us. Because you may say, you know what, girl, I'm going to take that vacation. I'm going to take some days off. But there's no level of urgency. I'll tell your neighbor, it's okay to be urgent. It's okay to be urgent. You can't allow, watch this, the demands of life to dictate your sorrow, but your sorrow should dictate how you live your life. See, people don't like to tell you this because your job says that you got X, Y, and Z to do. People say, no, I thought you said you was going to do X, Y, and Z for me. No, life is not going to dictate my sorrow, but my sorrow should dictate how I live life. Oh, I hope that helping somebody this morning. If somebody say, it's okay to say no. Oh, it's okay to say no. Here's, in other words, there are times in in your life when your life must adjust to your sorrow. What do I mean? During times of sorrow, it's okay to take time off of work. It's okay to invest in yourself. And it's okay to cancel some plans. People don't like to tell us this. It's okay, y'all. Somebody say, it's okay. 
Oh, it's going to help somebody this morning. Ah, because the that work and those plans, watch this, will be there. I heard, I, I was, I saw a meme on social media where it said that after you pass away, about a month later, and maybe not even a month, they're going to post your job. All right? So we can't get so focused on people, watch this, that will move on. Because if you want your sorrow to move on, you can't get focused on people that will move on. Okay. Ah. And and watch this. When you don't seek a place for weeping, sorrow will always accompany. Hear this, your schedule. If you don't seek that place for weeping, you can go to your job. Sorrow going to follow you. You can go and keep those plans. Sorrow will follow you. So if I'm not intentional about making this place, sorrow going to accompany your behind wherever you think is important. Oh, I don't, I don't need that kind of um, tag-along partner in my plans. Oh, here this sorrow will accompany your schedule. Working yet internally weeping. Y'all ever seen somebody at work know they behind should be off somewhere crying blowing their snot, they're working but internally they're weeping because they never were intentional or never had a level of urgency about where they should weep. And then folk, folk, years later or even months later, folk take themselves out because they were working and internally weeping. What a sad tragedy. And this is why Solomon declared this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14. I believe it's on our screens. The Bible says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. In other words, King Solomon is saying that too many put too much time in things that are temporary. Did y'all hear what I just said? Many of us in times of sorrow, we put too much effort and time in things that are temporary. That job, somebody say, is temporary. Somebody say, it's temporary. My plans are temporary. Somebody say, temporary. But my soul is not. Somebody say, my soul is not. Uh, so, So during times of sorrow, we have to recognize that our souls matter more than our schedules. If nobody don't tell you this, tell your own self, my soul matters more than my schedule. I ain't going to listen to folk that tell me I need to be doing this. We don't put this on the schedule. I know you don't put it on the schedule, but my soul matters. Uh, I'm going to tell some folk in this next season of sorrow, my soul matters. And this is why David declared in Psalm 13 too, how long, watch this, shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart daily. David knew that his soul mattered more than his schedule. And so should we in times of sorrow. And the sad reality, watch this, is that the people, that many people use the passing of life as an excuse not to seek a place for their sorrow. I hope y'all heard that. We use the passing of life not not to be intentional about seeking a time of sorrow. In other words, we declare, I don't have time to seek a place of sorrow. I'm too busy to seek a place of sorrow. And and even, watch this, too many people need me. They don't need you that bad to seek a place of sorrow. Somebody say, the devil is a lie. You're seeking a place of sorrow must be a priority. Somebody say, a priority. And here's the word of wisdom. When you don't seek a place for your weeping, people will pull from you just as much, if not more, than your plans will. Why? Because when you don't seek a place to weep, people will assume that you're available. 
And watch this. When you don't, if are intentional about seeking a place to weep, people will think not only that you're available, but that I'm okay. So you give this, this, this false narrative that you're doing well. So folk, y'all can't get mad at folk for pulling on you because you chose to give your attention to them folk. Oh, y'all don't like that. When you go back to work, when you say I'm still going to do what I'm going to do, I'm going to still keep those plans. You tell people that you're available and that you're okay. Uh, somebody say seek a place to weep. Uh, we've got to seek a place to weep. Because you don't pursue your place of weeping with intentionality and urgency, people will pursue you. Therefore, never allowing you to process your sorrow. And this is why your place of weeping must be sought. So the first thing I need us to understand, the reason why we weep there is that our place of weeping must be sought. Now, let's look at the next portion of verse 30. The Bible says, and he went. Everyone should not be welcome into your place of weeping. Why? Because there are those that will pray on you while you weep. I mean the P-R-E-Y. There are many people who will plot against you while you weep. I know we don't like that. And watch this. There are even people that will praise at the fact that you weep. And this is why I got to make sure that everyone's not welcome in my place of weeping. Oh, we, we love, and many of us love to invite too many folk into our place of sorrow. And this is why David declared in Psalm 64 and 2, hide me from the secret, secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity. Yet in order for David to be hidden from the plots of the wicked, it required solitude. Somebody say solitude. That means I ain't talking about isolation. I'm not talking about lonely. That means just me and God in the presence of God. And this is why a place of weeping must include solitude. I, this is, I think, one of the most difficult places for people in sorrow because nobody wants to be in solitude because we confuse solitude with isolation. But when I'm in sorrow, solitude is just me and God. And there's some stuff that I only need to talk about with me and God. Oh, and folk don't like somebody say this to be alone. I know we may not like this, but solitude is necessary during times of sorrow. Notice what our foundational text says concerning Joseph. The Bible says, and he went. Joseph didn't bring anybody. He didn't invite anybody. He didn't even encourage anyone to come with him. He went by himself. And herein lies the problems with many people to include believers during their times of sorrow. They give an open invitation to men with all intentions. When we're in a place of sorrow, we just like for anybody to be in our space. We like for people to say, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm praying for you. We invite anybody. And watch this. When you invite anybody, they come with all kind of intentions. Oh, Watch this. You don't want to be alone so you allow anybody to be with you in times of sorrow. Even those watches that are not mature enough to handle your sorrow. You know people can have well-meaning intentions and they can want the best for you in times of sorrow, but they're not mature enough to handle your emotions. And we let them in because they my mama, they my daddy, they my best cousin. You can mean well and stop, still not be mature enough. You don't even know what to say in my time of sorrow. I know you love me, but you're not mature enough. Uh, so, so watch this. You aren't intentional as you grieve, so your heart is not guarded in times of sorrow. 
Y'all, y'all hear that? So when anyone has access, then anyone can take advantage. Many times when we're not intentional about finding a place of sorrow, we don't guard our hearts. So if I'm not intentional about that, then I give everyone or anyone access in my life, even those that will take advantage of me. Y'all never been so broken that you don't even realize your environment around. Somebody say that's a dangerous place to be. Oh, watch this. Or even you're too depressed to discern. So even demons are welcome in times of sorrow. Sorrow can cause you not to see well. And we don't we don't realize that. And this is why many folk lose it in times of sorrow. Sorrow can cause you not to see well. I know you've been to the third heavens. I know you got title after title. But go through the right sorrow. And I promise you there's some sorrow I can't see well. Y'all know folk that say, what day is it? What time is it? Sorrow will not make you see well. So we've got to be careful. Somebody say, you got to be careful. So why is this significant? Because as I noted earlier, uh, when you don't have a place to weep, not only does it make you accessible, but watch this, it also makes you vulnerable. If I don't seek this place to weep, it also says, hey, y'all, I'm available. Hey, y'all, I'm okay." But it also makes me vulnerable. And hear this during times of sorrow. Watch this. The wrong company while you weep can be worse than no company at all. And this is why y'all should be okay with being in solitude in times of sorrow. Because just by happen chance when I'm not doing on a day that I'm not doing well, the wrong company can be worse than no company at all. I don't even know why you're behind. I know you can cook that fried chicken, but I should have never invited your behind over here. Okay, y'all don't like that. The sweet potato pie is good. But what you just said, I need you to get out. I just heard, uh, uh, listen, a dear friend of mine passed away. And, and they were telling me about this bishop that came over. And, it's, and, and, and they, want, they thought maybe that he would bring a level of counsel, a level of consolation in their lives. And watch this, the bishop made it worse. Somebody say, the bishop made it worse. I don't care about your title in times of sorrow. I'm care, I care about your level of maturity and how you're going to handle my situation. Watch this with care. And you got folk that will watch this use your sorrow as a platform for them to sound deep. Oh, Lord, I just had to go through that. Folk, because you know when funerals come, they, they, the, the small little pastor know it's going to be a lot of folk. And they use it as a time for their platform rather than to bring a level of healing into people's lives. Somebody say the devil is a lie. So during times of sorrow, watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 33 declares that bad company can corrupt good character. But watch this. Bad company can also corrupt your place of sorrow as well. And here's the good news. That although solitude is necessary for your place of sorrow, solitude is not permanent. And I think because, watch this, the Bible says it's not good that man be alone. Right? So we're called to be in communion and in fellowship with other believers. But listen, y'all, sometimes it's okay to be by yourself with God and God alone. And hear this. I know you think it's a long time, but it's not permanent. Somebody say it's not permanent. Oh, solitude is not, 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 not permanent. Uh, and watch this. 
Solitude in times of sorrow is necessary so our soul does not distort our spirit. I want y'all to hear what I just said. Solitude in times of sorrow is necessary so our soul does not distort our spirit. Somebody may be asking, what do I mean? Even in sorrow, you still need to see in the spirit. Somebody say discern. And this is how we ensure that demons are invited into spaces of sorrow. You know your emotions can mess up your spirit. This is why many people, this is a dangerous place to be when folks say follow your heart. And this is why the Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. Because your heart is, is moved by, by the trajectory of your emotions. Right? This is why I've got to be. The Bible never says be led by your heart. The Bible says be led by the spirit. Right? So when I'm in a place of solitude, it gives me a place where my soul does not lead me where I should not go. It keeps me in a place with God that I might always find myself. Watch this. Even in times of sorrow, in the will of God. Tell your neighbor, I want to remain in the will of God. I want to remain in the will of God. This is why Jesus could declare this in solitude in Matthew 26, verse 39. I believe it's on our screen. The Bible says, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. His emotions said, God, I need this cup to pass. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Because solitude is not a place of isolation, but it's a place of intimacy with the father. Have y'all ever been so broken where you just want to be in the bed with your mama? I'm talking about grown folk. You've been ever in a place of so much hurt where I just need the, the hug and the embrace of my mama. But sometimes I don't have that in the physical. So God says just find yourself in the spirit, in a place of solitude. So solitude is where I can be intimate with the Father where he reminds me that I'm still the apple of his eye, where he reminds me that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, where he can remind me that he's going to cause all things to work together for my good. I just need, watch this, a level of reassurance. But many folk never get that level of reassurance because they never find themselves in the place of solitude. Tell your neighbor, I need solitude. I got to find myself in the place of solitude. That means you can be in his presence and in a place of weeping at the same time. And this is why our place of weeping must include solitude. So hear this. I said that our place of weeping, it has to include solitude. Now let's look at the final verse, uh, final portion of verse number 30. It says, into his chamber and wept there. Your seat of sorrow needs a sanctuary. Whenever I'm in a seat of sorrow, it needs a sanctuary uh, because there are moments in your process watch this and this is why your place of weeping hear this must be safe so the last point is I need us to understand it has to be a safe place somebody say a safe place uh, because notice where our foundational text says Joseph goes to weep the Bible says into his chamber uh, his chamber anybody for, for women uh, it's a personal place or it's a place of privacy Uh, Because there are moments in your process of sorrow, watch this, that require privacy. I know y'all don't like this, but it requires privacy. Because there are places in sorrow that are reserved for you and you alone. And this is why during one of Jesus' greatest times of sorrow, the Bible declared in Luke 22, 39, that he was accustomed. In other words, he 
frequented this place that was personal and private. And notice what happened in this safe place for Jesus in verse 44. The Bible says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Why is this significant? Because there are days of sorrow that everybody should know about. There are tears in sorrow that everybody should not see. And there are words in sorrow that everybody should not hear. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all okay with that? There's some days that everybody, and this is why folk mess themselves up with social media. In times, it's some days that everybody don't need to know about in sorrow. It has to be a safe place. That's, that's going to be some tears. Listen, I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to change my, I haven't changed my clothes in a few days. There's some tears that everybody shouldn't see. And watch this. I, don't, I know y'all may feel like y'all so deep. You got so many titles. You so anointed by God. But in times of sorrow, there's some words that everybody don't need to hear. And this is why our places of sorrow, watch this, because people will judge us off of a temporary moment. So my place of sorrow has to be, somebody say, safe. Consider the potential response of his disciples. If they would have witnessed their Messiah in misery or their Savior in such sorrow in Luke 22. They may have made a permanent assessment of Jesus that was only reserved for a private moment. You got too many folk that are making permanent assessments of us that should have been private moments. This is why it's, it's, it's dangerous not to have everybody in your place of sorrow. Because now watch this. When the Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. No, you, did y'all see Pastor Keith and what he posted on social media? They made a permanent assessment. Did y'all see how he was dressed and acting? Shouldn't he be more regal than that? And they made it a permanent assessment on what should have been a private moment. Somebody say social media is dangerous. Some of y'all need to get off social media. Even more, the reason that safe places are so critical for your sorrow is because during times of sorrow, you don't have to watch this, have time to explain your expressions of sorrow. I hope y'all heard what I did. I don't have time to explain to you why I'm crying like this. I don't have time to explain to you why I'm still on the floor like this. Somebody say, I ain't got time for that. Y'all know sweet brown. She said, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) So to avoid explaining your expressions of sorrow, you just need to express them in a safe place. So because folk going to wonder why, why are you falling apart over them? Wasn't that the one that beat you upside the head? Listen, you have no clue of what got me into this place. This still is the father of my kids. You don't know the times that we experienced and the beginnings of our marriage. I don't got time to explain that to you. And you wondering why you you wondering why people asking you this X, Y, and Z. Maybe you did not have a safe place for your sorrow. Therefore, the question you must ask yourself during times or seasons of sorrow is do you have a safe place? Where you're allowed, watch this, you're allowed to have a bad day. Where you don't have to monitor to your surroundings when you cry. And when you don't have to close the door when you express your sorrow. Somebody say, I need a safe place. And hear this, I want y'all to understand this because I don't want to misconfuse anybody. It's okay to have folk around you in that safe place if they're safe people. I'm not saying I'm not saying do do this alone because sometimes I need somebody at some point.
to pull me off of the floor and say, baby, you need to eat at this moment. All right, so folk can be around you as long as they're safe people. Tell your neighbor, safe places are not always alone. Uh, and watch this. Consider the safety of David's sorrow in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. The Bible says, David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted. See, this is why you don't need to be trying to explain your sorrow to everybody. David had this baby in adultery. Somebody say, in adultery. And he still was broken up about the thing. And the Bible says David fasted and went in all in and lay all night on the ground. Not only did David have safety to weep for his son, but he went in. Y'all know how the black church say they we went in today. We need that type of safety in our place of weeping because we don't always we won't always cry cute. I know you got your face together, but you won't always cry cute. You won't always weep in silence. And we always want, watch this, want to put our best face forward. Therefore, our place of weeping must be safe. Oh, it must be safe. So hear this, I believe, where we weep carries great significance on our solution for sorrow. More so than why we weep. It matters where we weep. I get, you know, we know the why. We know, we know this one was so close to me. But it more, more, what more matters more to my healing is where I weep. Yet too many people become enamored in the why that they fail to take hold of the where. And this is why we must weep there. This is a place of weeping that moves us from hurt to healing. And I believe Joseph recognized that we that 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 and that we must as well if we desire to heal from our sorrow. Here this sorrow, this place of sorrow must be sought. All right, it's one thing about making plans for your sorrow. But somebody say, I got to be urgent. I, I'm, I'm not putting nothing on the back burner for my place of sorrow. And here's what many people do. We make plans, but we don't have any level of urgency concerning. And hear this. If you need some folk to hold you accountable about being urgent about your place of sorrow, somebody say do that. Because if you can't keep yourself accountable, have somebody else that will. And not only that, we've got to make sure that our weeping must be in a place of solitude. It's got to, at some level, it has to include some level of solitude where it's just me and God alone. All right, because I'm not, because watch this, I said this, sorrow at some point won't allow you to see well. So I've got to make sure that I'm always in the will of God. And solitude keeps me in that place. And our place of weeping must be safe. Yet, why is where we weep so significant? I get all of that. Y'all probably saying, Pastor Keith, I get all of that. That's good. But I believe verse 31 of our foundational text reveals the reason, even the greater reason why. Notice what verse 31 says. The Bible says, then he washed his face and came out and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. In other words, your place of sorrow will determine your strength to survive your season of sorrow. If I'm not, if I don't find myself in the right place of sorrow, I'll never receive the strength that I need to survive sorrow. Tell your neighbor that where I weep matters. It matters. It matters. It's it's a place. It should be a place of strength because of the place that Joseph found himself in. He received power. And there will be days and times of sorrow when you will need strength just to wash your face and get up. I know y'all don't like that. Y'all may have never experienced that yet, but somebody say, just keep on living. 
ask the old saints, there's going to be some days where you need strength just to wash your face. That you're going to just need strength just to get out of the bed. And the Bible says that because of this place, Joseph got strength to wash his face and get up. Oh, that's good news to me. Because watch this. That power is only received in the right place. And this is why where we eat matters. And watch this. Your inability to get up during times of sorrow reveals that you've been in the wrong place while in sorrow. Here's a clear indicator that I'm in the wrong place when I don't have the ability. Watch this. Somebody say to get up. At some point, God has to give me some level of strength just to get up. I I know it's difficult. I I know it hurts. I know there's a level of pain. But God, give me some strength just to wash my face and get up. Give, Give me some strength just to look like a modicum of myself again. And God says the only place you're going to receive that kind of power, somebody say it's in the right place. Let us stand to our feet. Get your hearts on wherever you may even be in your own season of sorrow. If you're not in a season of sorrow, God, ask God to prepare my heart for the season of sorrow that is promised. If I'm trying to deal with a season of sorrow, ask the Lord to minister to your heart now. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. And and, and matter of fact, God, uh, we thank you, God, that you've given us the grace when we got so caught up in the why that we negated our way. Many of us, God, are still dealing with the why of sorrow. Why did you take them? Why did you have us go through this? Why did they have to do X, Y, and Z to me? God, our mind has been enamored and flooded with why. And you're trying to push us to where. Thank you, God, for the reminder today that we can step out of the why and walk into the where. God, there's a where we must weep. And God calls us to walk therein. God, we thank you, God, that our place of weeping must be sought. Help us, God, to find a place where we can weep, where we can grieve, God, where we can process, God, what we're going through. God, let us be intentional about it. That means, God, we may have to cut some folk off in this season. We may have to stop some plans in this season. God, God, and if you you said, God, that you already know what we have need of before we ask. So, God, if we got to take some days off of work, God, you make a way as we're intentional about where we weep. And God, we won't do it just with intentionality. God, but we'll do it with urgency. Because watch this, God, life will move on. And God, if while people moving on, God, if we want our sorrow to move on, God, we've got to be intentional and urgent about where we weep. We'll seek it, God, we pray. And God, we thank you, God, that it includes solitude. Thank you, God, that we thought solitude was just us being alone. Us being in our feelings, in our thoughts, God, but it's with you and you alone. God, give us strength while we're in solitude. God, make it make sense in solitude. And God, even when we can't make sense of it, God, cause us to stay in your will. Let our soul not lead us in times of sorrow, but let your spirit do it, God. And we'll only hear your instructions in solitude. And God, we thank you, God, that there is a safe place. God, there are some folk. Matter of fact, God, your word declares, God, that a brother is born for a time of adversity. There's some folk that we can include in our safe places, God. And for that, God, we say thank you. God, as we come out of solitude, give us the spiritual sight to see the right brother that has been born for our time of adversity. 
So God will bring them into that safe place. God will we'll have a place, God, when we can have where we can have a bad day. God, we can we can be have a safe place, God, where we don't have to fix our face for nobody. We ain't got to close the door. We don't have to watch who's around. But God, you'll give us a safe place, God, for our soul to bear itself. And God, we thank you, God, that even after we wipe our face, after we done laid on the floor, after we probably haven't eaten in a while, God, you'll give us strength. Somebody shout strength. God, give us power, God. There's somebody this morning that needs power. I pray for Pastor Cole and his family. Give them power. I pray, God, for Elder Natasha Tate. God, give her power. God, anybody, God, struggling with seasons of sorrow, God, give them power. God, to simply wash their face and get on up. They can get out the door tomorrow, God, because they found themselves weeping in the right place. And, God, for that, we say thank you, God. It may not be us, God, but we pray for our brother and our sister. And, God, we know, God, that our time is coming. And, God, when it does come, God, calls us to weep there. And everyone that believes said, thank God and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Give God a hand clap of praise. There's somebody that's watching this morning who doesn't have a relationship with the Father. And I said this about solitude, that solitude is the place where I have intimacy with the Father. And somebody may be saying, I'm struggling to, I'm not in sorrow, but I need somebody to hug on me. I need somebody to love on me. And the father says, when my mother and my father forsake me, he'll be there. And you say, I need to be in relationship with the father. All you got to do is give your life to Christ. You may be saying, how do I do that? The Bible declares that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. So in other words, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And not only that, the Bible says that in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That means I need a Savior and that Jesus is the only Savior. And then not only that, a lot of people can go to church, grow up in church, know God, know the things of God, but not be led by God. So when I say that I'm giving my life to Christ, I'm saying that I'm going to allow him to lead and lord my life. So you may be saying, I want to do all of those things. I believe all of those things in my heart. I'm going to confess all of those things this morning. If you can do that, the Bible says that you can be intimate now with the Father and in right standing with him. And if you made that decision, all I want you to do is put that in the comment box. I've made that decision today. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the one that has come. We thank you for the one that recognized, God, they need to be intimate with you. And God, the only way to be intimate with you is for them to give their life to you. Thank you, God, for the decision this morning. They confess with their mouth, God, that they're a sinner in need of a savior. They've confessed with their mouths, God, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and got up with all power. They got the right savior. And God, they've said, because he has that kind of power, I'm going to allow Jesus the Lord and lead my life. And God, for that, God, you say their, their salvation is eternally secure. No man can snatch who you put in the hands of Jesus. And God, for that, we say thank you. Now, God, connect them with the church. Connect them, God, with a local body of believers. God, let them be shepherd and discipled on this journey and cause them to know, God, that they can't do this journey and walk alone. So, God, we celebrate with them now. And everyone said amen. If you made that decision, somebody from our church will contact you. We'll connect with you. Do us a favor. Message us on Facebook. 
somebody will reach out to you and say, hey, I've made a decision to accept Christ in my life. If not, if you can't message us, send us an email to churchoffice at waytampabay.org and somebody will connect with you. There may be somebody else this morning who says, I want to be a, in covenant with this church. I don't want to just be a member, but I feel this level of connection with this church. In other words, you want to be in covenant with us. All you got to do is say, hey, I want to be in covenant with the Way Church. And send us a message as well through Facebook. Send us an email and somebody will connect with you. I'd love to be your shepherd. We'd love to be your church family. And a soon coming day, we'd love to embrace you and hug on you. So just send us a message or send us an email and somebody will connect with you. And I'll say this before I bring up Minister Rondell. I said this, I don't preach for your preference, but I preach for your preparation. Watch this. You may not be in a season of sorrow now, but somebody say it for me one more time. Keep on living. So God knows how to prepare us the best way he knows how. God is a master preparer. And God is saying he wants our people to be prepared so we don't lose it in seasons of sorrow. I've seen too many people lose it during seasons of sorrow. But somebody say, not this church. Amen. So let's give God another hand clap of praise and let Minister Rondell, if she can come at this time. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.